Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. That laugh must mean that I gave you the finger. I, I thought I saw a bird. No, how many bird in the bush? What is it? Yeah, <laughs> bird in the hand. <laughs> anyway, uh, are you a regular listener? Why not? Subscribe to the Practical Guitarist using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put in a review with the service where you found our podcasts like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Practical Guitarist. You can also find us at Twitter as at Guitarist. If you're interested in supporting the show, we have launched a Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. And if you'd like to donate money to the show, there's always Patreon. Our Patreon is available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. If you need to reach out to us directly, you can do so at questions at practicalguitarist.com. This is a question answer episode, actually, so we're gonna Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna answer some questions from the podcast group, not from questions app, but Yes. Is what it is. Exactly. So one of the questions that we got um, in the group was regarding um, solid state tube amps and the uh, um, overdrive, the effect of overdrive and distortion. Okay. So first question, I guess, is how do solid state amps and tube amps react to yes. pedals? Right. I was surprised at a couple of the um, the in uh, in group answers. Honestly, um, I didn't read through all of them to be honest. I didn't have time yet. Uh, I've been doing a lot of video work, so yeah. But anyway, so any answers you want to bring up to point out first, well, and then okay. So um, we had uh, John Osborne uh, started this whole thing, right? Right. Uh, and he had asked you um, about uh, the katana, right? The- Right, the katana, and what it was about the katana that made it take pedals well. And then um, there was a question about solid state and tube and so on and so forth. So I I started a new thread to make it easier to find, and I said, um, it looks like John Osborne has initiated a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all heard distortion for this, drives for that argument. What about solid state versus tubes? Drop the questions here. Um, and, uh, so Jay Wells said, I've got both solid state tube combo. Both are good for getting me the sound I want in the moment. And that is what matters is getting your tone. You want, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And he says, use the tools. Uh, Mike Hogg, uh, Haug, um, H A U G. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that because I probably am. Although I may usually lean one way versus the other, there are three conflicts. I don't take sides on vintage versus modern, analog versus digital, two versus solid state. I don't think that's what we were tr- really trying to go for No, here, we're not but- trying to pick sides. Um, I think Jim and I are both of the persuasion that, uh, depending on what you're doing, um, I would be stupid if I didn't bring it up that, you know, hey, solid state amps have their place. Uh, specifically right. in certain genres of music, I mean, they're all over... And I know people won't want to admit this, but they're all over metal records. They're all over 
um, yep. jazz records too. Um, JC oh, one the JC one twenty is the amp right now for jazz and has been for twenty years. Um, so I'll say something about the JC one twenty usage in the jazz genre. You're not going to find a whole lot of drive pedals in front of it. You're certainly no. not going to find a lot of. So, but it'll I'll, do I'll just, it. It will. Yep, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to keep going. Um, uh, John Osborne asked uh, Mike um, what solid states they like, and um, Mike uh, responded, "The ID and ID Core." I was kind of surprised by that, but yeah, maybe I, he does a too. lot of metal because they are big. Uh, they're big in the metal scene. I know some guys um, who like the ID Core stuff. I I don't think the ID Core stuff touches the what Boss is doing right now, but. No, the katana, not really. But I mean, you know, again, to they have no and they, I'm sure they do a very specific thing very well. So, um, the Val- Vox Valtronic stuff has been great for years. I I, mm. I used the Valtronics for a while. Um, as a matter of fact, I had their pedal. Yeah, I, and I would push the clean end, clean front end of an amp with that. wasn't terrible. Yeah, wasn't I mean, terrible. so. It depends on which ones we're talking about. If we're talking about the little silver-fronted guys with the, the silver metal grill thing that they did yeah. for a while. The original Valtronics line, which was a competitor for like the Line 6 Flextone stuff, was pretty good. It wasn't, yep, great. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. Yep. So That's the one I had. And he said, additionally, as a uh, Crate GX-130C. He's uh, had for about 25 years. I remember the Crates, you know... Again, you talk about how um, there's a lot of solid state on metal albums. I can say that the Crates had a really good rep in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, actually, probably around the mid-80s. They, they started to come into their own. And they were very popular. And a lot of people were using them. I don't... So, we've talked to Jason Fuzzmonger, and he says that a lot of those amps, particularly Crates in general, if you replace the speaker, they sound much, much better. So... I think that's where one of the things that we've got to remember when it comes to uh, uh, solid state amps in the budget category is that, um, let's face it, that's where you save a lot of money. You mm-hmm. can save money, you can save money on construction, and you can save money in the speaker. And if and it's a it's a awful thing actually when you take um, a decent uh, amp. And put it in front of, um, uh, into a crappy speaker. And let me let me show you this. I'm going to show you the back of the. Uh, I, I'm so I did my video right where I talked about um, the the guitar world thing. I got to yeah. take pictures this week and post it. But look at what's on the back. The Marshall now, that, Valve State, right? Is that laughable or what? Yeah, it, says, it cracks me up. But this, the, the what's what's funny is what Marshall was saying about the valve state. Um, it, they said the clean crunch and distortion valve state comes in a 40, 80, 11. You'll get all the Marshall extras. And then here's what I love about it. Buffered effects loop, direct outs, headphone jacks, blah, blah, blah. They actually wrote blah, blah, blah in the. <laughs> oh, and the one thing no other amp can give you. That Marshall sound. If your Marshall sounded like a guitar amp that was stuck underwater, um, fighting for its life to get its last breath of air, yeah, that was that Marshall sound that you wanted. So let me, let me, let me, because we're, you brought it up, right? The valve states. Yep. So it's actually kind of interesting that we're, we're talking about this approach 
to um, amplifiers as we talk about a tube solid state different kind of discussion because you know obviously hybrids do exist there have been good ones and there have been some awful ones and uh, look i'm not saying awful in the sense that you can't use this for your style of music i'm sure some of our listeners may even own valve state amps but i will say this the guy who was in charge of marshall at one point he did an interview recently and actually it was over on amps and axes and i forget who i forget his name she can go back it's in one of the back episodes and he talks about this and he basically says they had one they had a couple of engineers in a room and they were trying to figure out how they could actually sell their solid state line because nobody was buying them so one of the guys said well shit we'll just put a tube in it like the tube won't do anything but we'll put it in there and everybody'll everybody'll be convinced it's great and they did and that's how the Val- the all state series started the the, <laughs> the tubes were basically and 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 you can i mean I can remember when those amps were really popular back in the late 90s and yep. people were like, oh, I changed the tube in mine and nothing happened. And it's like, because it's not doing anything anyway. Out. Yeah, you could probably play the fucking thing out. I mean, <laughs> that it, would be uh, interesting is to find someone that owns a valve state and yank the tubes and see if anything happens. Yeah, yeah. So um, I do remember they had no real function. Although they may pass electricity, I don't think they did anything. In yeah, other words, it was sound. it was basically a gimmick, right? Yeah, and that's okay, like I guess to an extent, but because because the, the amps were hugely expensive, even no. even having that gimmick in them, they were not expensive amps. Um, if you do like them, they're relatively cheap on the used market. Yeah, I, I just for my money, if I was going to go that route, I'd probably just buy a Marshall MG, which is solid state. And be done yeah. with it. Actually, I think Marshall has always had pretty decent solid state offerings, better than better than some of their competitors. And I think that's because they committed early on to using quality speakers. Um, what do you think of the the um, Fender Champion? Uh, which do you, the, the champion the Champion one hundred? Yeah. So I I played one actually recently. Um, you know, that's I was a, looking at one that's going. So, when Fender did back, I think it was in the early two thousands. They did like the Deluxe ninety. DSP and a couple of other, you know, they had a twin, I think, solid state yep. twin. And they did a couple of them and they were actually so if you only wanted that Fender clean sound, you could get it from those guys. It wasn't like I mean, it wasn't the same as having a uh, you know, a thousand dollar deluxe reverb on the floor, but it was, you know, it was sensible. You could get away with it. And I knew people who were using it as pedal platforms. Hell, I, I jammed with a guy who was a much better player than me at the time. Who had a nine, uh, deluxe ninety DSP with a um, so I don't even think he had a processor. I think he was using the inbuilt distortion, and he was just killing it doing metal stuff. Uh, his tone was actually not bad either. Um, so I mean, everything has its application, and its purpose. I think the one thing that people kind of associate with solid state amps is that they don't re- they're not as loud. And there, are, right. and there, and there are logical reasons for that. Number one, when you push a tube, it it doesn't doesn't just end saturation at some point. It it continues to try and create the sound even though you've already saturated it. Where solid right. state, once you're clipped, you're clipped. That's it. Um, so that's I think that's part of the reason. So, which is why you find high end solid state amps typically are way way higher in output. And so, like a Champion 100 is, I would say, roughly equivalent to maybe. Yeah, a thirty-five watt. watt or forty watt tube amp. Yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> yeah, they're just not that loud. Uh, now that being said, 
do do you need you know more than 30 watts tube not really not really i mean the the fact is i'm looking at it only because it looks like a one of the most decent um amps you know in that solid state category where for a two by 12 it would be relatively light i'm looking to see what they're priced at yeah 300 bucks that's not bad that's kind of expensive actually for what it is I mean, so the kings of solid state amplification, as far as I'm concerned right now, if you want a kind of a do it all thing, PV, they they're still making their bandits and stuff like that, and they're actually not bad amps. Um, and you can get them dirt cheap if you buy like a bandit or something for next to nothing, and they and they sound really good. Um, in fact, uh, Johan Segborn, the guy that does all the plexi videos on YouTube. Uh, he does a video where he takes a, I think it's a bandit, a PV bandit, and then makes it sound like a like a plexi. And anything a guy touches sounds like a plexi. So I don't know if it's the amp or him, but it actually, he it was a pretty good demonstration. And, and people are joking in the comments like, now everybody's going to run out and buy bandits, you know? Yeah, but are you talking about the bandit? I mean, there's a lot of different bandits. There's trans tube bandit. Yeah, trans tube. The trans tube one. The trans tube. Those things go for four hundred dollars new. New, but used, you can get them for next to nothing. You can get them for 150 bucks. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, and they did a hybrid one too. I think. Um, and they, I yeah, don't know if it was a bandit or something else, but they did. Yeah, they did a hybrid trans tube. No, trans tubes are solid state. Oh, they don't have a tube in them. No. They don't even have a um, no. like a fake tube. Nope. The, anytime it says like something is something hyphen tube or it's like a new tube word. Usually that means it's solid state because they're wanting to evoke this emotion of, oh, this might have tubes in it to get you to play it. And then when you look in the back and you realize there's no tubes in it, you're like, oh, I feel like I got suckered. Yep. And that's the other thing. These hybrid amps, a lot of times you can't even get to the tubes in them. They're they're like on the board. You have to take the chassis apart to get to the tube. Well, because it's just a light. And they're not lying. They're not lying that that the tube is in there. Yeah. It's just that there's nothing that it does. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, so <clears throat> when you look at when you look at the way a tube distorts and you look at the way a transistor distorts, right? A transistor, um, although we're talking about the analog end of a transistor, of an analog, obviously a tube, um, the analog output. Yeah, of a tube. It's, it's essentially um, a square wave. Right. A, a transistor has a much different looking wave. Than the output of a tube, right? Because the output of a tube is um, it, it's continuously variable. That's the way I would think about it. So if right. you think about a transmission on your car, a continuously variable transmission changes its shift points as needed, right? Whereas right. Uh, a, a manual or not manual, but it, but a regular automatic transmission will right. have specific shift points that are designed right. into it. And that's essentially the same thing as what goes on here, except at an audio level. So when you push your, your amp hard, is it going to distort in a way that is pleasing, i.e. like a CVT transmission, or is it going to distort in a way that is rougher, um, which would be like the regular automatic transmission? So your regular right. automatic transmission is more like what you would get from a solid-state amp. Your CVT is what you get from tubes. Yep. Um but that's not to say you can't convincingly create a waveform using solid state components that mimics uh, like what you would get out of a tube. I mean, there's a lot of companies that do it really freaking well. 
Uh, Tech 21 comes to mind. Um, Who else? Um, PV, obviously we were discussing them. Uh, The Roland stuff, I don't think it's meant necessarily to sound like a tube amp, but but they do in a lot of ways. The um, Blues Cube series of amps that Roland rolled out a year or two ago, those are pretty good. The Waza. See, I don't know if the Waza is a a solid-state amp or if it's a digital amp. Because there's really three classes of amps. There's solid state, there's digital, and then there's tube. And actually, digital is kind of a hybrid of digital technology and solid state amplification. Right. So it's, it, it gets really like convoluted. And I know other podcasts have touched on that before, too. So I'll try not to go over that too much. But, I mean, basically, you've got three types of amplification nowadays. The Katana is not a solid state amp. People will tell you up and down, oh my god, it's got a solid state front end on it. No, it does not. It is a digital modeling amp, preamp. It is a GT100 that has been slightly modified and put into an amp. That is what it is. And um, yes, they want to evoke those feelings. I'm sure that there's some sort of FET front input stage. That's how they're able to get the the dynamic feel down um, and better than the GT series. Uh, the original, you know, the GT100 series, not the GT series. Apparently, right. Siri is having a spasm over here. Let me shut off my phone. <laughs> um, so, yes, there are... Power off your iPhone. Press and hold the power button. Do you hear this bitch? That appears on the screen. Seriously. That, huh? Shut up. I'm <laughs> Power off. All right. Enough of you. <laughs> Um, Siri is just, she's just trying to irritate me now. Like, I I don't know why she won't let me call her foul language. That's, that's the part I'm trying to figure out. But anyway, um, she should take that better. She just like intercedes in the middle of the most inopportune times. And I hate her. Uh, anyway, (laughs) so, um, the Katana is using a similar approach, I think, to what Strymon does in some of their uh, their drive pedals, where they have an FET input stage that gives them the ability to kind of intercept and intercede with a more tube-like feel, and then they push that on into the DSP processing section, which has been tweaked to, hit, to handle it, and then that allows you to get a more dynamic feel than what you're usually accustomed to. So in a way, it's a hybrid technology. Now, um... I would not be surprised at all to find out Boss is doing this. Uh, they have certainly have experience with full full scale solid state amplification. JC120 is a good example. They've rolled out. I think they have JC90 and JC45 or something now. They have some smaller ones, and then they also have the uh, the Blues Cube series. I don't know if they're, they're making any of the other cubes. But that's Boss rolling. Yeah, it's I the think, same. Yeah, yeah, same company. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I mean, the gold standard. Like, there are all kinds of older solid-state amps that people really like, like customs and stuff like that. Um, I'm not real big, in, and I and I don't know a lot about all of those amps. Part of the reason why I steered away from solid-state over the years was simply this. Um, solid-state amps are a lot harder to get repaired. Yeah. And um, tube amps, you can find a dozen techs who can figure out what's wrong with your amp and fix it. I mean, that's... That's what it boils down to. Um, now, in the future, is that going to stay that way? Probably not. I mean, I, I, I can imagine that tube technology is at wanes, and I'm not talking about in our decade, but maybe in 50 years or 100 years when people just have kind of like migrated away from tubes. 
we're on the verge of it right now. We're living in the time frame where people are switching to digital equipment over tube equipment. And right. it's not going to go go back the other way. It it just won't. Um unless we have some sort of EMP event or something, and, and in which case we're all screwed anyway. Nobody's gonna be worried about playing guitars. Um I don't know, Jim. I I, I do think that there are definitely great solid state amps out there. Uh the old Rantle Century series comes to mind. Yeah. Um the uh like I said, the JC one twenty always comes up in these conversations and it's because it I mean, it's good enough that Roland has not modified that design in what the uh twenty something years, thirty years they've been offering that that amp. They yep. literally are making it the same way. They have not revised the boards. Um, which is yep, you don't hear about incredible. them rolling out new versions of it. You know, you know there are certain mainstay amplifiers that just don't change much. That's one of them. I mean, obviously, most of the JCM series from Marshall, uh, the Triple Rec series from Mesa. You've got the um, uh, oh, the Fender Blues Junior. I mean, you you really haven't seen much except for the fat switch that's been added to it. I mean, I just wish they'd add, if they're going to add that fat switch, why not a foot pedal to let me go? I thought the fat switch always existed on the Blues Junior. I thought it was, I thought that was an add-on. I think it's been there for a long time, Jim. I don't know as it's been there that too, too long, because I remember having one without it. All right, fair enough. A long time ago. Fair enough. Um, So, I don't know. I'm, so in terms of Tube versus solid state amplification. Um, there's a lot more money being pushed at making tube amplification better and digital, you know, digital hybrid stuff better. But I don't think there's a lot of money getting pushed into solid state amplification anymore. Which, yeah. which is interesting because solid state amplification is really the the. Um, I'm trying to think of the right way to word it. It's really the antithesis of tubes because you're using analog parts, right, to produce the same sounds as you would get from a tube. And if you do it well enough, you could have really good results. I think the the allure there is dead because people want tube amps. And so digital gets them closer. Or they feel like it gets them closer anyway. I'll tell you that there's some solid-state stuff that I played that is certainly a lot closer um, to, tube, to tubes than some of the digital stuff because of the, the feel. And that's what, um, for me, that's what, that's a major component of this is that you don't have the latency in solid state that you do in, in digital stuff. And some of the older digital stuff, you could feel the latency. Like it just felt like you were really having to push and, 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 uh, rake those notes to get them to come out right. And that really has to do with the fact that, you know, line six, for example, probably was dealing with 20 milliseconds worth of latency when the Axis 212 came out. Now yeah. th- that's a long time ago. I've um, obviously overcome a lot of those hurdles. I I can't feel much latency in my Helix. There is no. definitely some latency there, but it's yep. not it's not something I feel like I have to overcome. Um, right. I mean, where where in latency do you start feel like you can feel it? By the way, the fat switch was uh, nineteen ninety two. Yeah. So it's and a long they do time ago. they do now. I suppose I guess have a uh, foot switch which. I don't know when they introduced that, but yeah, I, a, I think I a foot switch has been a thing as long as I've been playing too. So, yeah, um, it's been a long, obviously it's been a long time since I had a blues junior. <laughs> yeah, 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 a really long time, Jim. <laughs> don't date yourself any further. Uh, <laughs> I was in my thirties when I got it. 
So that's as, even worse. As we dial back in time, yes, um, and we look at solid state versus two amps, right? Let's see what uh, what is the first like good solid state amp you can remember? Because I know you're obviously advanced in years already. Yeah, a little bit. It, it, Just to a be few, honest, a few. yeah. I mean, to be honest, um, uh, I think who was a crate was putting out, like I said, crate amps were one of the um, early ones. I can't remember if early carvins were solid state. I know that here's the thing that solid state really kicked off with was people were using um, like the Rockman and then pushing power amps with a Rockman. And that was really a thing. So these guys would um, haul out. Um, you know, these big things that made it look like they were playing through all these huge amps and they were actually playing through this little um, yeah, cigar dude. box size. Thing. Yeah. That was like in their pocket, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it was actually, yeah, it was, it was back in the, um, it was back sitting on top of something like maybe their wireless unit or whatever on their rack. Yeah. Maybe taped and down. Then, yeah. Taped. Yeah. Taped down or Velcroed down. And then they would run that that into a power amp, and that would be like a Crown power amp or a QSC, something like that. And that's really one of the first uh, things. And because that didn't require a whole lot of pedals. Well, that would have been um, like what the mid seventies. Yeah, and it was yeah because um let's see that would have been like seventy yeah seventy eight something. I know the Rock, the Rockman came out relatively early. <laughs> Um, so that was a, that was a big thing. Um, well, well I'm going to go back further. And, and yeah. so if you go back into the sixties, you will yeah. find dudes, especially guitar players back then, they didn't give a shit. It was, it was what sounds good to me or what, what can I get an endorsement for? Because I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. Well, and, there was that side too. Yeah. Well, the doors, right? Robbie Krieger. Hey. In the studio, oh, yeah, he's yeah. using deluxes and twins, but on stage, he's using I I don't even remember where the brand is, but it was like it was basically whatever the equivalent of Sony was. Like back right. in the day, he had Sony amps on stage, pretty much, and it was like solid state, and the whole band used them, and that was not uncommon for like the whole band to get an endorsement from a particular company. Um, those are the Beatles; they used Vox, you know, and then they had the Vox Super Beetle, which was a solid state amp, um, yep. and. It, you know, so it, it it's not just like it didn't just happen because Def Leppard was using the the uh, Rockmans in the studio. Like this has been a yeah. thing for a really long time. And I know people. I've talked to people who are like younger guitar players like myself. We thought like, oh well, the solid state amplification came later in like seventy late seventies. And I'm like, no, man, it's been around almost as long as tube amplification has. Um, so it's just an interesting thing to think about. Uh, well, I think that also you've got to look at okay, so that comes to the question really in the in the forum. Because okay, we, we talked about the, the jazz guys. The jazz guys can use a JC one twenty because why? They, they only want, need clean. And they right, want that they want that, they want that fast sound. attack. And it's that yes. fast attack too, and that's the thing. Yes, it's it's instantaneous. That's the same thing with metal players. They want a fast attack, which is why they'll have and and they won't tell you this, but they might be using a solid state amp in the studio, like as one of the three amps that's on a track, because yep. they want that fast attack and that immediacy. Um, yep. And hey, line six, line six amps. There were guys using those line six flex tones, and the line six. What was it? Axis was it? The, the Axis two twelve was the original, and then they Axis, had the Veta. Right? They had the yeah. Veta later. Yeah, the Veta. 
And those things were, they were using the heads in the studio um, on the track because of what you're talking about right there. Yeah. So when you think about studio recording and sound synthesis, because that's what really what we're talking about here. When you right. got a synthesizer, right? You got attack controls, you've got yep. sustain controls and decay controls, so you can control through the three the three areas of individual notes, and that's kind of what some of these guys are doing in their approach. Is they have they got an attack control, and that's they mix in you know a solid state amp, and then they have a sustain control, which is their tube amp, and then their decay controls, which is like really a delay for them or a reverb that they yep. use to kind of control the tail end of the note. Or the, or a gate. Actually, you can think about the gate the same way. Um, and when you when you really evaluate things and, and sit down and kind of think about it that way, it makes a hell of a lot more sense as to why some of these bands are pushing like four tracks of guitar. It's because right. they're really they don't really need four tracks of guitar. They need sound synthesis. Like they want to make yep. sure that they're getting the right you know attack and sustain. Um, so they have their uses. I mean, it's not it's not as though solid state amplification is uh, the ugly, you know, stepchild of, of oh. guitar amps. And as far we, one of the questions that came up in the group, and I want to I want to talk about this one now. They were talking about what's the difference in in front end with pedals, and a lot of people think you can't put overdrive pedals in front of um, oh, oh, solid state so amp. And really, that comes back to the core. Why do you think overdrive pedals existed? That's what they were right. designed for originally. Um, we, we, well, not we, but some legends out there like Stevie Ray Vaughan were the guys that decided that if you turn the game down on a tube screamer, it makes a pretty good boost. Like right. that's, um, that's pretty much how that whole thing came about. If you look at solid state amplification the same way, what happens when we're talking about that, that step, you know, the, the, the transmission thing a minute ago, what happens when you push pedals? And you boost a soft state amp, you get unpleasant distortion. Right. So really, you have to go back the other way with an overdrive pedal and say, "I'm going to use this to simulate my gain, and not worry about pushing it past unity." Or if you yep. do push it past unity, it's very minimal. Yeah. Um, and most solid state amps do have a, enough headroom that you can get away with, you know, pushing past minimal. Uh, minimal. Would that be max headroom? No, I don't think I would consider it max headroom, but it would be increased headroom. That was a TV show. And I know what I know what it was. I'm just teasing you. Um, so, um, yeah, one of the thing, um, one of the other things that was um, a lot of folks were doing was using, um, and I think that's probably where they came up with the whole tube, tube preamp and solid state post amp. So a lot of people were using, uh, and this was especially popular. Um, in now the now you're going to get me going, Jim. Just as I'm warning yeah, you. Got the, Right, the bot, or I mean, the Marshall JMPs in front of a solid state, they would push another amp with that. I just, all right. So, so they had to have that tube preamp with the. We're you know, we're seeing a, a market change in the last twenty years. We're really yep. Now we're thirty years of amplification <laughs> where people are like more okay with having. Front end distortion, so so preamp distortion, which is you know what we think of angry nest of bees, bees in a bottle, that kind of thing. Yep. That, they're doing that up front, and then just not the bees. making and then just making it louder, and they don't want any coloration. I'm right. not that guy, okay. I, and and it sounds funny because I play maces, but I'm right. not that guy. What I want to do is I want to push my power tubes because right. the power tubes are what give you all that warmth 
and all the um, the good dynamics and, and compression that you expect. But, so, right. It, but that comes back to something that I talked about earlier. If you're if your feeling is that when you're listening to your favorite guitar player, right? What are you listening to it through? Are you listening through a, a solid state or a tube amp? Does it matter if it's if it's neutral? Exactly. That's the Here's question the you got to ask yourself, Jim. Because right. your your li- personal listening device makes no difference. It's neutral. It's but designed to be neutral. It's well. Yeah. <laughs> we could debate that, but yeah, but yeah, can, uh, obviously right, so, you buy your cheap ass boombox over at Walmart. It's gonna be. It's not gonna be neutral. All right, and if you're using your um your Beats headphones, because that's beats fucking not drag, neutral. Let's hype, <laughs> Let's hype some bass. Let's hype some bass. Boom. boom. <laughs> Drop the bass. No. All right. So right there isn't there is a lack of neutrality. Um, I mean, let's face it. If you uh, all right, so most people aren't listening in a quiet environment to their music. They're listening whether it's because they got the headphones on, whether at the office, or they're, or I should say, earbuds in at the office because nobody wears headphones anymore except you and I who are sitting here talking to each other, right? Um, or you're in a car, you're driving down the road, you got road noise, you've got external car noise. You've got all the things that go on, plus the fact that the car, unless you've got a, a decent JBL system or something like that in there, a Bose system in there, and let's not get into the fact that Bose colors the sound, too. Yeah. All right? <clears throat> well, um, it's unavoidable. You're going to color the sound some. These right. audiophiles out there spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on power cables, you know, to try and get the most out of their system, <laughs> are, are obviously chasing the dragon. And, uh, and they- and then they've got it's their iPhone work. hooked in an iPhone. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I heard a story recently oh. about a guy that had like a, he he spent like ten thousand dollars on a power cable for his oh for his system, God. and he had like hundred thousand dollars speakers and stuff. And it was like, can you even tell the difference between this and you know your system when it was only a five thousand dollars system? Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, the diminishing uh, returns. It's. I, I want you to get back to what you were talking about, but all I'm saying is. <clears throat> because of that coloration of the sound, what you were saying is you want to hear that that tube amp pushing blah blah blah. Some people, it's just fine hearing the distortion that was created by um, the uh, that they hear in the in the record or what they were hearing through their sure you know sure. their sound system sure. whatever that sound system as we went through was or is <clears throat> then. They're going to be fine with that just being louder. It's yeah. it's this loud now. It's loud. No, absolutely. And there's a whole class of amplifiers that exist that do that. I mean, that's what class D is. Right. And when you're talking about a lot of these newer designs where they've got you know a tube in the front end or maybe a, a, a digital or a digital preamp, and then the power amp is is a class D amp. And we talked about even to, uh, Thomas Plug. I mean, his design is basically a class D power amp. Um, right. And that's essentially doing that. It's taking a preamp that sounds a certain way and then just amplifying it, making it louder. And that's okay to an extent. I just, that's not the sound that I'm after. That's all I'm saying. And I think oh, that. I understand that. I think that when they did do these hybrid amps originally, I think they approached them wrong. I think what they should have been doing was saying, all right, we're going to put power tubes in here and maybe a 12AX7 is a phase inverter. And then you, the, the preamp can be solid state and it can be whatever you want. Because right. it's going to warm it up and nobody cares. 
Right. What, <clears throat> what I'm saying is that um, there is a place. Let's say you've got a pedal that's a, okay, for example, your um, Wampler pedal is an amp in a box, right? It's supposed to be, yeah. Supposed to be. So in other words, I can take the output of that, stick it into the instrument in of any power amp or um, uh, the um, board, and I don't need an amp other than that. I can just turn it up. Yeah, so I haven't had great success with the... Um with the, with, the with that with that idea no with that idea in general because I've yeah. done it before I mean I I've, I've used yeah, keyboard right. amps and everything else to try and because they're basically flat they're supposed to be or PAs and I just unless you got um for me like I have to have a speaker emulator even if I'm going to use an amp in the box it's got to go into a speaker emulator first because otherwise you're just going to be amplifying it through a PA head and then maybe into a guitar cab but the PA head's not met, not designed to sound crack with a guitar cab. Now, there are power amps for guitar. You can go get uh, Mesa Boogie, I think still makes the 2525 and the 5050, um, uh-huh. which are, and, and I know Rivera made some at some point. Other companies have made them over the years. There was a time when, you and you remember this, when the refrigerators walked the earth and yes. they were filled with racks of wonderful stuff like ADA MP1s and uh, yeah. all that, all that happy stuff. Um, that's when, to me, like that's the heyday of the power amp. That's, right. That's basically over at this point. Like you, you have to go and seek one out now, and like really do your research to find one. Otherwise, you're going to be using a Class D uh, PA amp and hoping for the best. If you're going to go PA, like then, <laughs> then that's where I'm like, all right, get your get your uh, your speaker emulator because you're going to need it. Here's something I'm surprised more people aren't doing to control volume on stage and yet still get that speaker sound they used to make uh, and they still do make these boxes you put your speaker in the box iso boxes you yeah they still exist mic. yeah the iso box that's what I'm they're still they're still you, pretty popular rivera makes yeah. a line of things called the silent sister which that's yeah. exactly what they are i mean um, why aren't we seeing more than more of that yeah well on, uh, the, pro, on the pro of. level on the pro level it's still out there jim and people oh, are I know it's and, out there and, yeah and, right I'm saying on the, it hasn't really moved down. Well, from the here's why, they're not silent. Yeah, they're not silent. Um, and for these guys, they're like, well, if I'm going to do that, it's got to be silent. I'll just buy a speaker emulator instead. So, a device yeah. like the the torpedo, I think it's a torpedo one note or whatever. Um, th- those kind of devices are a Palmer speaker simulator and those kind or those kinds of things. They're cheap as hell compared to buying an ISO cab. I mean, I can get some of the Palmer GIs for like three hundred bucks. Torpedo is yeah, that's a little bit more expensive. But that being said, for a quality um, ISO cab, I mean, you're pushing seven hundred, eight hundred bucks. I know that Wampler right now is working on trying to get his. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it'll be integrated into current um, amp in a boxes, amp in a pedal. However you want to say it. Or if he's moving to a new one, but he's trying to get an integration for that that um, uh, IR. Yeah, and so there's already some products out there. We uh, Thomas Blue's got the Blue Box. Yep. Um, th- there was another company called Nux that has one. Uh, I don't know enough about Nux. I think they're from China. Um, they have a box that's like an IR loader. I yeah, think. I'm looking forward to trying the Blue next year at Sweetwater. I want to say Joyo 
has um Joyo has a uh IR emulator now too or Moor or something like that. Um so I mean they're out there. They're they're going to become more common. Um if you're going to You go think in- that's the next step for the Katana? What? IRs? IR? Oh, I think so I if if Katana V2 ever comes to fruition it's I mean it already has an IR in there for the for the cab out cuz it's yep. I mean it sounds freaking great and there's no way yep. that's that's you know just an EQ thing that that's doing that um I would not be surprised to see them add support for like IRs or if they don't load IRs into it I know right now it's still based on the GT100 technology which is like I want to say old school digital modeling, but it's really not. I mean, the, the GT100 isn't that that old general generationally. Um, I could see them definitely doing that. I don't. Yeah. I honestly don't know if they want to though, because the katana is not supposed to. The katana is supposed to fool people, right? When you play that right. thing, it's got five voices on it because it's supposed to be like an old school amp, right? It's right. got five modes, and that's what they want. And I don't think they necessarily want to play up the fact that it's a digital piece of gear. So they may never do that. I don't know. If they do, it'll be it'll be like a selectable a selectable line out. I mean, right now what we have is like you'll hear these uh, currently, and I'm not talking about the katana. Let's talk. We'd be talking about the Marshall Code or the Mustangs or you know the, the right, other right, um, right, 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 <clears throat> or stuff like that, where they say, oh yeah, you can choose a four by ten. You can do, but we all know that that's just all they're doing is tweaking the tweaking the EQ, right? They're just right. changing and some a lot of those old, a lot of those older ones, yeah. I so the, some of the newer ones are not like that. I mean, like the GT series probably had some sort of primitive IR driving right. that. Um, but we know the IRs are software, so yeah, it's just a wave file, basically. Right. But it's the use of the wave file, right? The circuit use of the wave file that's going to be different, um, and that's what. I mean that'll drive prices, but I could see a a katana. What do they call them? a Wazacraft katana coming? Well, they have a the katana like artist already. I, I know they have. What, yeah, they have the artist one. Which but which has tweakable has tweakable. Can ca- you load? You can't right. load things in it, but it has tweakable cabinets, which means it's probably yes. using IR technology. Yeah, which means that we've got to be close to being able to throw an IR in there. Yeah, I don't know if they. But I don't know if they want that in their feature set because it's not meant for direct out. It's meant to have speakers. Like that's even their head I has a five inch speaker in there. I, I, I can tell you right now. I, so um, the guy I was talking about um, a couple weeks ago, um, we were doing sound for him um, yesterday. Yesterday was Sunday. Yeah. Yesterday. And he loaded up. Um, he was using a katana and he was using that DI out uh, to our board and he didn't mic the cab. He just ran DI to the board. The, the cab was for himself. Sounded great. Yeah. So here's why I don't think the katana is, is ever going to get like that deep a feature set. It's because if you really are buying it to go direct, Jim, you're just going to buy a GT1000 or you're going to buy their floor modeler because yeah. it has all the controls on it. Why the hell would you want to buy an amplifier if you could do all of it out of the floor modeler? Yeah. Uh, honestly, you're doing it really old school to actually have an amp behind you because yeah. if you really want to go direct, Jim, why are you doing that? It's not, yeah, well, I I'm just saying it's I not necessary. The, right. I don't lug the um, the cabinet with me anymore. No, that's what I'm saying. You just take the head. Why Why wouldn't you just buy a modeler instead? Right. 
and then you go direct, and then it's all your your pedal board and everything's combined in one unit. Like that's that's so, the way they're looking at it. So for you, well, then again, I can look at it as the person that is like, okay, I'm, but I'm monitoring it one way, but I'm throwing the other into another. Sure. Now, um, and that's the reason he does that. So, um, with your objectives, you're using a helix. Yeah. But you also have. Your... I run everything through my Mark V. I don't. I don't fuck around. Like yeah, I'll be honest with you, I don't fuck around. That's just it's all Mark V. The Mark V is more important than the Helix to my tone, like for a lot of reasons. Um, and that's partially because I use the. Uh, I actually use the preamps in it. Um, mm-hmm. My Helix. The only time I'm really using the amp modeling is when I'm going direct to my computer. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, of course, I could go direct if I was playing out, but you know, I don't play a lot of gigs right now. Um, I would prefer to have Mark V and the one by twelve behind me, with the, the Helix out front, so that I can at least control what's going on. And then the Helix is only just going to be a switcher and basically uh, a couple of effects that I need for various songs. Um, right. But I mean, honestly, I don't. The Helix is total overkill for me. Right. Let's put it. Let's put it. Let's put it that way. Uh, there are some reasons why I don't want to go to the HX effects. We can talk about those if you want. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's why I'm sticking with it. The other thing is, um, so we were talking about this discussion of, of you know, why the, the katana is good with pedals. Right. Uh, and that's because it has that dynamic front end. I, I really believe that because they put so much effort into making sure that it had a dynamic front end so it would feel right when you're playing without anything that right. it made it easier to deal with like overdrive pedals and things like that. I mean, I use fuzz faces through it and the way I use them is I put the crunch channel on and I drive it a little bit. So it gets, gets a little bit, you know, nasty. And then I put the fuzz face out in front and it sounds great. It sounds like a Marshall Plexi. Yep. Like that's, that's why I'm just jaw dropped at the fact that you could do that with the, with a $350 amp. now. So, all right. <clears throat> We've gone over um, a lot of different things as far as the uh, solid state and the, uh, to technology right. taking pass. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I get. I just can't seem to feel the reflex of the distortion or an overdrive through its solid state the way I get when I push a tube in. Because you're using because you have no compression. You're not feeling that it's not distortion you're feeling, it's compression. Yeah. That's that that's basically what it is. The only way you're going to get that feel back, and I've had I've had various varying levels of success over the years running it through solid state amps, doing this is to put a compressor post, right, and then hope for the best. And actually, it's been reasonable to do that. Um, I found that it it helps smooth out your dynamics because that's the problem. So when you play through a solid state amp. There's everything is everything is uneven, right? Your yep. your louds are super loud, and your yep. your quiets are super quiet, right? Yep. So if you use compression, you're going to bring those louds and softer together, and that's that's one way to get around it. And so a lot of your um, and I suspect that a lot of your your uh, solid state solutions and people that are designing these things are designing a lot of compression into them in order right. to make solid state amps more palatable to guitar players. Yeah. So. I think that's just that's where I lose what what I want from a from a 
solid state amp. But that said, if I'm playing mostly clean, I prefer a solid state amp. But you're not having those problems with a digital amp, though, right, Jim? Yeah. Are they the same? You, so you are having those same problems with the digital amp? No. Okay. So yeah. they're so they're they're different. And and I think that again, it's the same thing. It's designed so that it it simulates a bit of output compression. Yep. Um, and that's that's basically what it boils down to. If you want, I mean, you can experiment with uh, using a compressor and an effects loop. So yep. like that Champion 100, if you put it, if you put a compressor in the effects loop, uh, and that depends because if it's designed right, you shouldn't have those problems. Um, another notable hybrid amp we missed. Actually, I, I want to bring this up before we before we transition to the topic. Uh, a notable hybrid amp that people dismiss a lot: some Music Man amps. Yes, they were hybrid, and country players love those things. <clears throat> they're re- they're still relatively. Um, popular in that genre, so right? To speak. Right. So, just if you haven't played one, they are hybrid. They have now. I believe their hybrid is set up differently. I think their tube is in the power amp stage somewhere. Because yep. I remember hearing like, "Oh yeah, it's just for like compression and that kind of thing." But the but the snap because they want it for the chicken picking. It's the snappiness and stuff to it. So, um, yeah. If you ever see one in store, some check one out because they are they are pretty cool. Uh, and they're not junk, like they're really well built, can be serviced and stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, so what the other part of this discussion was about the differences between overdrive distortion and fuzz, right? Yes. So I'll let you start on this one. You can you can give your two cents first, and then and what's then that for overdrive versus com- fuzz? Yeah, overdrive. Well, no overdrive. So overdrive distortion fuzz, and yes. are they? Are they three distinct things, or are they not? Yes. Well, okay. Yes and no. They're supposed to be. Overdrive means that I'm trying to push my amp into an overdriven place. That I'm trying to get the distortion of the amp by pushing it harder. Sure. Distortion, I'm distorting my single before I get to the amp. And the amp is amplifying a distorted signal. Right. Okay. Fuzz is where I have a dog take a shit on my signal and, and then and try I to cut a hole in your speaker <laughs> and deposit no. the shit inside. But fuzz, okay, so the difference I think, the way I see, and I know that there's a there's a there's a sound difference to me. I'm gonna talk about the sound difference, you talk about the electrical difference between distortion and fuzz. To me, distortion is that crackling breakup where fuzz is literally that that hissy. Not fizzy. I don't want to get fizzy it's broad broadband. Right. Broadband complete distortion. Not that it's always a bad thing. I I, I joke about the dog taking a shit on my signal a little bit. Well, but, I mean, I don't think you would you would deny me playing a fuzz pedal. Like I think you've heard no, me enough I, to know I, I that I know what I'm good. doing with it, you know. Right. I, I would not have been able to dial in those Hendrix tones that you're getting. <laughs> Forgot it. I, it would not happen. Yeah. So it would just sound like poop. It, all right. So from the player's perspective, before I start talking about the electrical differences as I know them to be, uh, from right. the player's perspective, uh, I would say fuzz is one of those things where you really have to work to learn to play it because it's so different than playing with distortion or overdrive. And, right. And 
you really have to learn to vary your pick attack, your volume, play with your tone controls while you're playing. I mean, it is it is full-scale guitar playing. You're using every part of that electric guitar you can to get the tones out. And it's like a fight. And, that, and I know it sounds like I think that's a that's an overgeneralization. You've heard people like uh, who's um, the guy for the White Stripes, Jack White. Oh, Jack White. Yeah. He says I like to fight my guitars. He uh. don't know what the fuck he's talking about, okay? Because because he does. I mean, I get what he's saying. He's talking about fighting guitars, but you fight your effects more than you fight guitars when you're playing with a fuzz pedal. Like that's right. that's. I mean, honestly, I could take it. I could take the best sounding guitar in the world. And put it through a fuzz pedal and make it sound like shit. I mean, it, it doesn't take yep. much effort. You just have to nope. know what you're doing um, for for it to sound good. So that's why I'm, I'm basically saying like that's the one effect where I think it's a skill set all to itself that really should be seen kind of separately to guitar. And I always joke that I'm playing fuzz pedals. Like I don't play guitar; I play fuzz. Right. Like you know, um, so it's it's a tandem thing. But as far as distortion and overdrive are concerned, I would say. Um, Distortion is more like a fully saturated amp, right? I think they're. I right. think that's more prismatic in the in the approach that there could be like overdrivey distortions and distortiony overdrives. Like it, it, there's definitely so like the OCD is a good example because it kind of bridges the gap. It starts out as an overdrive, a very like dynamic overdrive, and then ends up in this almost like all out plexion ten distortion side right and all of these devices are designed to do what they're designed to distort yes one in a more pleasing way one in a less pleasing way and one in a way that does not give a fuck whether you're pleased or not okay absolutely and i think we could tell which of those three is that that is uh but in in general i mean as a player i could use all three uh, and you can use it. You can use an overdrive and do a distortion to get a fuzz if you don't have one. Yep. Uh, yep. Or you can buy just a shitty distortion pedal, and distortion that'll usually pedal. get you into a fuzz territory. I, I, I tell you right now, to me, the Boss uh, DS1 gets you into fuzz territory. Yeah. Fast. See, that's the thing. Like my definition I, of fuzz is, is skewed. See, that's because your your definition of fuzz is not skewed to the side that I'm at, where it's like I'll play shit that you should that like you just let the guitar sit on the floor and let it go. <laughs> like <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so so yes, a, a, a DS1 definitely sounds like a fuzz to somebody who doesn't play fuzz regularly. You know what I mean? Uh, right. so, but yes. Well, no, I think it sounds fuzzy. I didn't say it sounded like a fuzz. Sure. No, I, and I agree with that completely because it's got that fizzy sound, top end. Right. And that's what I was talking about because real good fuzz doesn't necessarily, you can di- get it, but it doesn't necessarily have to have that fizzy top end. Well, where you only have to turn the, the gain up much at all on the DS1 and you can get that fizzy top end. Some people like that fizzy top end. Well, there is something to be said when you want to cut. I'll tell you what. You will be heard. Let's talk about usability. <laughs> Let's talk about usability, right? Yes. So, no, actually, if you got the fizzy top end, you ain't gonna be heard because it's gonna disappear in the mix. That's that's like the kind of stuff that you get out of a fuzz pedal in that top end category is what makes a fuzz just disappear. Um, it's it's got to be a very specific type of that that noise. But what uh, what I was gonna say was that so like usability wise, your overdrive pedals are essentially uh, you can use them as a boost. Actually, there's really four categories here. There's there's clean boost, overdrive, distortion, and then fuzz. And and your overdrive and clean boost probably have the most overlap because you have dirty boosts and stuff like that. 
But basically, that's going to be, you want to have an amp that's kind of cooking a little bit. It's going to be a little bit warm, uh, and, and especially a tube amp. Or you're going to be using it to simulate the drive sound of an amp um, in a solid-state scenario. But we're going to talk about tubes for the sake of this argument, because it's the easiest way to discuss this. Uh, when you get into distortion, you really want it going into a cleaner amp. It doesn't have to be clean, but cleaner amp, because you yep. want that clarity to come out. And so... The reason why fuzz, I think a lot of people don't understand how fuzz works is because they see, well, if the overdrive is supposed to go into a dirtier amp and the distortion is supposed to go into a cleaner amp, then obviously a fuzz is supposed to go into the cleanest amp, right? No! Yeah. No way! <laughs> I, I, Jim, I can't stress to you There's how There's a certain loud. amount of logic that people, that people bring to that. When I'm doing those fuzz face demos... I can't tell you how loud it is. I mean, honestly, you're going to see the, the the video I posted to you tonight so you can review it before I post it. it, it the, the camera's shaking. Okay? The camera is shaking. And it's, like, bad. Uh, yeah. It looks like there's an earthquake in the room. And it's because there's so much bass and stuff coming up. But but it's because my amp's turned up to basically saturation. And then I've got, you know, a fuzz. I got... Uh, <laughs> I have four fuzz faces out front. What would you do if you had four fuzz faces out front? Don't answer. Don't answer. Just going to leave it at that. Everybody would do it. And I'll tell you what. The bypass signal is so damn loud that, it, that it, I, whether I'm playing the guitar or not, it's fucking deafening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was oh, unbelievable. Yeah. It was wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it in it's every a, video I can, I can do. It's a beautiful feeling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So, um, but... So doing that, when you have the amp cranked up that loud, what it does is it takes all those highs off. It rounds it off. So you're just getting upper mids left. And the speaker also breaks up too, which is a big component of that. So that's why I said, like, yes, obviously there are are different types of fuzz, right? So your early fuzzes are, like, crappy sounding, and they, they sound like the guitar's broken. Uh, you go all the way up to like where I think the the modern fuzzes are like more like a muff and a muff to me is on the distortion of the fuzz, like very much on the distortion of the fuzz. And so for me, like, yeah, you can use that through a cleaner amp. And actually I prefer to use uh, muffs through a clean amp. Um, one with almost no saturation, a little bit of compression, but no saturation. And the reason, the reasoning for that is that, um, it, 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 it provides a lot of characteristics of like a, a, a cranked up tube amp. It's a big fat cranked up tube amp in a lot of ways. You just need to add the compression, and all of a sudden you're you know you sound like Pink Floyd. Um, yeah, that that's where I'm at with that. Now, as far as distortion stuff goes, like I have a lot of distortion pedals too. I mean, I this this right here that I'm holding in my hand the uh, the Pinnacle Deluxe from Wampler. This is not an overdrive pedal. Right. This is a distortion pedal, okay? For me, like, everybody says, oh, it's an it's a yep. amp in a box, so it's obviously a drive, right? No. This thing saturates the shit out of your signal. And that's that's the thing. Like, there's a big... Ra- I don't think you can make clear delineations in each of these pedal types. I think it's more of a... It's more of a, a spectrum. And you can find fuzzy drives, too. I mean, there's a... Ooh... And I think I recommended it to you. Uh, John... Cusack Screamer. Yes. V2, I think is the current yep. one, the Cusack Screamer. Yep. Uh, I had Cusack. one. Uh, it was gifted to me. And it, it, honestly, like I used that fuzz for a while. It was really, really cool. 
Um, but it but it also had like tube screamer basically, and right. um, it was a tube screamer that was clipping the the uh, the uh, chip inside so that it would it would be a fuzz. And that's cool. Like I get it, op amp fuzz. Like that's a thing. So as far as that, uh, we 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 would preface this discussion with I would talk about the elect the electrical side of what goes on. Um, and actually, I don't think it's necessarily the electrical side. I think it's more about the waveform and square wave versus sine wave. And uh, fuzzes are basically square waves. And uh, yep. basically, everything else is some degree of you know moving between sine wave to square wave, or right. even you know no wave. <laughs> no, it's, there's no such thing as no wave. But um, so I don't know. I I've always been the extremist, and like for me. When I first started playing guitar, I was like, "Man, how how distorted can I get?" You know, I was the yep. guy in the store like shooting up metal zones with other stuff. Like, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous. Like, like can I make it worse? Uh, yep. Because I had it in my head that I was going to be this metal player, right? And I went right. in the complete opposite direction, which is even funnier. Um, but so looking at you know where I come from, it's na- it was, it's natural. I would end up with fuzz, right? The extreme end, of the, right. extreme end of the thing. Um. And then I was going somewhere with this. Um, so <laughs> it, it, being the extremist and going towards fuzz brings me to this place where I can look back at other pedals and see a clear delineation between fuzz and distortion. Uh, but it's, I think that's because that's what I'm most familiar with. You know, Um do I have? I do think any effect is superior. No, obviously they're all different things for different jobs. They're all tools. Um, uh, call yeah, them tools. Yeah, I think we had. Did we do an episode called "Tools of All Kinds"? But that's basically yes. what that's basically what we're talking about. It's like right different tools. tools for the same job. Um, I don't know. Listen, I, if you look back at one of the most famous distorted guitar sounds, right? Uh, Beatles. Right? Yeah. Revolution. Yeah. And that's that's overdriving the board, right? Yeah. That's Spirit today, in the Sky. You would probably call that a horrendous sound. Spirit in the sky. Same thing. Spirit in the sky. Uh, another brick in the wall. The solo to another brick in the wall. Les Paul do it uh what do you call it? And straight into the board. Yeah. Well, and I think it would probably shock people what actually does get recorded straight into the board even now. And not yeah. and not use plugins on the back end to make it sound, you know. It's like a lot of the funk guitar parts you hear in modern music are straight into the board, straight to the board. Yeah, and who, um, the guy that does all those parts and his name escapes me right now. Oh, um, uh, the one that did the song with with the the yeah, guys with yeah, the yeah, yeah, helmets. Yeah, Daft Punk. Yeah, Daft uh, Punk. Um, he was in Chic, or was he in? Uh, was it chic? Or oh, was he's it? he's done everything and he's played on every fucking session ever. But that guy, like, it's so funny because everybody's like, "Oh, you know, you're always doing these chords, you know, and you're and you're chucking away at him." And he's like, "This ain't chords, they're dyads." He's like, "I'm only using yeah. two notes." He's like, "All these people Niles be picking Ro- the Niles Rogers, Niles right? Ro- Rogers. Rogers, right?" He's like, yeah. "He's like, yeah, he's like, people be." He, I, I heard an interview with him. He's like, "Are you going to the studio?" And he's like, "Some cats like, oh man, I really dig your record. I like when you did this." And he's strumming the whole chord. He's like, man, he's like, I just hit two notes. Like, what, yeah, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you <know? laughs> but he's he's the guy that that went direct a lot. 
you know, like almost oh, yeah. everything he's ever done is just push me to the board. I don't need a to... strat, a strat straight, straight to the board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So don't discount anything. Like I right. obviously your style is your style and it, it, do whatever you have to do to get the sound that's in your head. That's where I'm that, at. Right. I think that's where people make a mistake is that they, they say, Oh, you know what? I can't, I can't do that. That'll never give me the sound I want. I couldn't possibly use a Stratocaster because I could never play metal. Dude. That's that's exactly Ingve fucking exactly, Melstein. Yeah, I was gonna say that's exactly what um Iron Maiden said. No. Because <laughs> obviously Iron Maiden, Stratocaster. Yeah, well they used a lot of guitars over the years, but yeah, there's I mean now it's Stratocasters with with humbuckers, basically. Um yeah, I so I don't want to discourage anybody in our group and say that I'm not going to provide an answer to these questions. But I think right. we kind of got to at this point. It's like at some point you've got to explore this stuff for yourself. And you might right. find that that snappy you might be playing rock music, but you might find that that snappy attack from a from a solid state amp completely changes your ability to play the instrument. In which case, yeah. go for it. Nobody's going to tell you no, and if they do, fuck them. Like don't ever and Nita Strauss said this, but but I'm going to say it again. Don't ever let anyone hold you back from what you want to do. Right. Don't listen to them. Right. Because um, the minute you start listening to the naysayers, you've already let them win. They've won. Well, it's not about winning or, or it's not about winning or losing. It's about the fact that they don't know what's going to work. No one well, does. Right. I mean, look at all the guys emulating Nile Rodgers. Do you, do you think they thought that playing dyads was what he was doing? Right. Like, so it's just, it's a whole thing. Like, Make I actually sure always you're... thought that he was playing three or four strings, you know, the, his lighter strings, but still three or four strings. Now I'm I'm finding out he was playing dyads. That's yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah, it's a lot of his dyads, but it's not necessarily dyads on the same string. So there's some raking going on and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my and and I'm I'm reaching that part of my playing now too, where I'm in the same boat, where it's like I can adapt and do something different, or I can pursue what I want to do, and that's right. kind of why I've got back into this Hendrix thing because I'm like, you know, I can get those sounds. It's just money. Like it's just a matter of of putting the money out to make it happen. And I'm there. Like yeah. literally bought like three pedals and I'm there. Um but I think it just has to do with finding your way and finding yep. what you want and what you need. Um, what your tone is. Yeah. Just understand that there are different approaches to using this equipment too and they, and they're designed for, from a different standpoint. That's the kind of what we've tried to do here which is to show that Look, if you use a solid state amp, you're gonna you're gonna approach distortion overdrive fuzz differently. I don't know that I would use a lot of fuzz through a, a solid state amp, but that's me. So, what did you not buy this week? Um, what did I not buy? Well, I did. I picked up the germanium fuzz based mini for the for the podcast. It's actually sitting in the box. I took it out, used it for the demo, and then put it back in the box. Yeah. Um, I bought. The Voodoo Lab Pedal Power Plus, that again is for the podcast that's going to be used for the episode, or for the, for the, and you'll see it in the video demos that are coming out. And then it went back in the box. And these are things getting returned, yep. No, they're not, get, they're not getting returned. They're, I'm keeping because they're going to be used for the show, but they're, I'm not using them personally. Like they're going in the right. box and putting up until I have to use them for a demo or something. Oh, okay. Until um, you hear us up. Right. And then I can do what I want. I have to sell them or whatever I'm going to do with them. Uh, I will probably keep them because the the, I, the things I'm buying are reference stuff. So, yeah. um, but basically, I mean, this week, what am I buying uh, that I'm not buying? I'm still looking at at the Amp One, 
still looking at deluxe reverbs. Yep. I'm still yep. looking at Rivera Rock Crusher. I mean, I have a laundry list. I so Sweetwater, I have a list for Gearfest next year that I've been working on. That it's just like things I want to make sure I get a chance to look at. Yeah. And and uh, I'm planning on putting together a significant amount of money before I go, um, like ten top PRS money, and yeah. coming back with a lot of things that I can demo for the podcast, but also things that could, that could work their way into my regular playing as well. Um, so I mean, at this point, the sky's the limit. I'm looking at stuff, but I'm not running out and buying. The only uh, actually, this is probably the thing I should I should talk about. So I don't know if you've seen this one, Jim. I'm, I'm going to walk away from the microphone for just a second. Okay. I did not buy a um, a Telecaster. So this I did return it, by the way. So this is but my I did try it out. This is my white Stratocaster, right? Yep, yep. Um, maybe I'll put some pictures in the show notes. Maybe I won't. Um, don't get mad at me if I don't. Um, and it's aged. It's so this is a 2003, and you yeah. can see that the pick guard is like a totally different color than white. And oh yeah, it's yeah. aged nicely. the uh, The pickguard actually matches the the white. This was Olympic white, Jim. It's now cream colored. Yeah, I love the way that Olympic white um, ages. So I and got like to the play- uh, I like the use. I can see what frets you play and where you play them the most. Yeah, I got um, I got a, uh, a chance to play my white whale this week. Yeah, the scallop. Yes, the Ingve uh, Melmstein strat. Okay. So the cool part about the White Whale guitar is that for, for like 14 years or something, I've wanted to play one, and I've never yep. seen one anywhere. And there have been a couple of times where I could have driven like an hour and gone and played one, right? But right. Uh, a buddy of mine who's also in the group, Dan Kish, he called me, well, he didn't call me, he sent me a Facebook message uh, the day after, or on his birthday, and he said, I was at the one, the one nearest you and Sam Ash, and they had one in stock. And I was like, oh shit, it's probably not there anymore. So I looked online, and they had it the next day. So I went back. I was there when the doors opened. And uh, really excited to play the guitar. Thought it was going to be great. Uh, I wasn't going to buy it, but I, right. but I knew that, like, because I have this thing, right? And I'm going to work on this thing. So now I'm in a, I'm, now I'm in a hard place where I played, the, I played the Yngwie Strat. I liked the pickups. I didn't like yep. the neck. I didn't like – so the scallops were okay-ish. I, I'd have to adjust. I don't know yep. if I can go in and out of scallops. It's going to be something I'm probably going to do. Like the way Vi does? Or... Yeah, so, like, how do you go from, from playing flat frets to scallops every 10 minutes? Like, that's it's yeah. it's a whole other animal. Uh, I yeah. think I am going to do it, uh, but I'm going to buy a neck. But I can't yeah. buy a neck for a year. So... Well, you could buy a neck yeah. because you're not using it. Well, you're not going to use it. All you're going to do is take the neck and, and technically, get it scalloped. Technically, right? it's going to take time. Oh, no, I'm not going to get it scalloped. So the neck that's on this guitar, I refretted it years ago. Uh, I'm going to have Kish look at it. He does guitar work. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to see if we can maybe get the frets leveled and yeah. uh, see if we can make it playable again. I'm not going to scallop the original neck. If I'm going to if I'm going to scallop, I'll buy one for warm off. I'll get one, saying, I'll get one gonna, pre-scalloped. You're looking at a scallop neck, but right now, it's oh, not, you're not looking at a scallop neck for warm off. No, that's what I would do. I would buy a scallop neck from them. Oh, that's what I thought you were saying. Yeah, so. Huh. The the neck that's on this guitar right now is not playable. Like it's 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 borderline playable, um, which is why this get, would be a replacement the, part. I would try the nickel frets. Oh no, I'm going stain, I'm going with, stainless or stainless. Yeah, yeah. No, I would go stainless. That's what I meant. Stainless steel. Yeah, because everything's nickel. <laughs> and then you don't have to get a refret ever. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, and 
It would be scalloped, probably bird's eye maple, both sides, and then uh, be done with it. And but I, just, well, I have to decide what I'm doing. It's it's not like it's like a three hundred dollar investment. And this guitar, so it's a Jimmy Vaughn Strat, so it was like five hundred fifty dollars new. They go for eight hundred bucks now. Um, yeah. It's got some age on it. It's got some dings. It definitely shows the fact that I it was a stage guitar for me for a really long time. Um, so I kind of want to keep it going. And I just need to get like the right set of pickups in there. And that could be a gear fest thing. But the neck I would probably have to replace and, and get it straightened out. Obviously, so. for gear fest, I'm still thinking the amp one. Um, and at the very least, the uh, IR from the yeah, uh, from the blue. blue guitar. Yep, and um, the other thing is the Gia. I'm still kind of jonesing for a the Gia. G- the Jiva. Jiva. Why do I keep calling it Gia? I don't know. Isn't that, Gia? Isn't 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 Gia <laughs> like Gia was a fashion model, but Gia is also a um, a thing from uh, Final Fantasy, isn't it? Gaia. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm getting it from. Final Fantasy 14, um, which I'm not playing any um, right now. Saving that money towards Gearfest, by the way. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, about um, obviously, I, I'm not looking at pedals. I'm not going to look at pedals. It, it'll be the that's the guitar I'm looking at. That's the amp I'm looking at. And the effect, quote unquote, effect is the uh, um, amp or the blue uh, IR. That's it. So I'm, uh, I wanted to. Oh, but I did. What did I get? So it is not tone related. Not guitar related, but uh, I did order something. What'd you buy? The the Mark II from uh, it's a it's a um MIDI controller. Okay, all right. Twenty five K MIDI controller. Novation. No, oh Kai, yeah, Kai, yeah. I think it's called a Mark II. Okay. Um, and uh, I'll be getting that Wednesday, so I'll give it a try. Cool. Because. I mean, with all the software that came with the Focusrite, which I which I got, um, the Focusrite Two I Two, um, and uh, I said, you know what, I'm gonna pick up and start doing some stuff so that my guitar demos will sound a little bit more interesting. Cool, cool. Um, another thing, I wanted to share this with our listeners. I meant to bring this up earlier in the episode, uh, like right after housekeeping, but since we're talking about this stuff now, uh, for those of you that don't have a lot of money. And you save up to buy gear, like I'm doing right now. Um, I, I'm actually using a thing called Stash, which is an app for your phone. And what this does, it allows you to invest in mutual funds and stock market stuff. Really? And so what I do is I take my deposits out of my account so I can't touch them. And I put them into Stash, and then I invest the money. So I make, I made 30 bucks the other day uh, in, off of... Um, uh, I forget which company, but I made 30 bucks on stock the other day and they, there's like no trading costs or anything to this app or if they are, they're <laughs> minimal. And uh, I use it all day long. And the cool thing about it is it's, it's not for day traders. Don't think you're going to come in here and like double your money or anything like that. It, it It's just a place to stick my money, but I can actually use it to generate some interest and then use that to buy gear too or awesome. do whatever I'm going to do with it. So if if you guys are interested, I can talk about this in the in the Facebook group and and kind of turn you guys on to it. Um, and it, I'm interested. Yeah, it's it's a great <laughs> way to put money aside for things like Gearfest if you're planning a year in advance. Um, yep. 
if I keep the contributions I'm going in there, I will have several thousand dollars in there when I get there. But um, I have a feeling life is going to get in the way of that at some point. Uh, but nevertheless, I'm, I'm sticking as much money in there as I can, and I'm planning on financing all the crap I buy at GearFest with it. So if you have awesome. anybody who's bought a Les Paul, if you're like, if you're not making tons of money and you bought a Les Paul or something crazy like that, you've either done it on a credit card or you've done it out of pocket and saved for a really long time. And this just makes it easier to save because at least you're making money on your stuff, your, the money you put away. So this is a cool strategy to look at. Some people flip their way into gear. That's basically the same thing, except they're taking more risk on because they're buying the gear themselves. And then they have to do all the you know shipping and all that craziness to get stuff out the door. So it's a, it's a viable alternative. I think I'm making more money using Stash than I did flipping, too. I would think. So, yeah, it's the Akai Professional MPK Mini 2. It's MPK. I was thinking Mark because of yeah. MK. But yeah, MPK Mini 2. So I've got that coming. Um, so I'll be putting up a, a demo together for that. Um, it it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, no, they are. Um, so i got a Mini controller sitting right here somewhere. Mine's like mm-hmm. 20 years old, though. Uh, yeah. Because they don't die, and they're just USB, so. Now. I'm going to, uh, I may fall off the wagon and get myself a Boss Katana soon, but we'll see. You're not going to fall off the wagon. You're off the wagon, Jim. You I never fell had, off it a long time ago. You didn't get back on it. You don't have to get back on. I'm, I got this I, thing. I'm martyring myself for, for the good of the, for the good of the podcast. One of us has to be able to do this. So, well, I, I don't necessarily have to fall off the wagon. Just kind of like, well, like trail fall, along behind but, it. Fall on the road and then bounce back on, you know, yeah. every now and again. You know, uh, Jim, you gotta have it. You gotta have a habit. What the hell am I gonna do with you? Try to get a streak going, just at least I, like do something. Like, like ten days. I didn't buy ten I days. Bought ten guitar. days. Now let's make it real clear. Jim lasted twenty two days with your no yeah, gear. When, okay, so how long? How long did I last? Twenty two days yeah. before I bought the guitar. When did I get the guitar? How long ago? Two weeks. Yeah, so you're like at 14 days now. Yeah, like yeah, 14, 15 days. So I'm doing pretty good. Um, no, you bought a freaking mini controller. <laughs> that's not. That is not gear. <laughs> that's not gear. Okay. <laughs> it's only for the podcast. I, I know can't even, my I can't podcast. Shit. See, the only reason I bought my podcast control. is because I thought the contest was over. I was like, now if I buy this stuff, nobody can bitch. I bought it. And now my wife came in and she. The first thing she, she goes, "What did you buy?" And I said, I bought stuff for the podcast. And she goes, she goes, yeah, whatever. And I thought she was going to, she was going to go in the group and be like, no, David lost. No, I didn't lose. I haven't played that shit since I bought it. I, I played it in the demo and then put it back in the box. There you go. Which and is really crappy because I feel like I'm not giving these pedals a fair shake because I don't know how to use them well. You know, it's like I haven't played around with the, the knobs well enough to know what to do. I mean, if I do, if I do get a katana, I'll just like the the SG. I'll be completely honest. You know, say got a katana. What do you think? Just go buy your katana and shut up. Well, I'm thinking about getting because they've got a katana with the foot controller. It's not it's not saving any money, but I could get the two together. Do you really need them both? I was gonna say, do you really need the foot controller? Well, I so I got the hundred head, and it's got. I'll talk to you after the podcast. I did, we're 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 at hour nineteen. It's it's time to call it a day. Uh, 
So I've been Jim and I've been David, <laughs> and we have rambled endlessly for twenty minutes or an hour and twenty minutes, which makes us the practical guitarists. Impractically. Yep. <laughs>